Welcome to another episode of Mini Fellowship in Movement Disorders, where we take most challenging concepts in movement disorders and simplify them into easy-to-follow explanations. I'm your host, Danish Bahati, a movement disorder neurologist who loves to teach physicians online, especially in the developing countries. So this video is a short response to a question that has been raised. The question is that, as you mentioned, patients will have motor complications after levodopa treatment, after different duration, as well as the different dose will also cause wearing off and dyskinesia. I was wondering what's your current treatment or what do you think is the most proper dose for the patients who have Parkinson's disease? So there are many different stages or components or aspects of Parkinson's disease. And there is very, there are various ways that I can answer this question, but I'm gonna focus on one specific aspect which is the one that is most often asked, and I'm gonna presume that you're trying to ask me the same question, is that how can we delay the onset of dyskinesia or prevent the onset of dyskinesia? What treatment strategy or treatment doses we should use? There is, let, let's start with carbidopa levodopa, the most common treatment for Parkinson's disease on what strategy to use to delay the onset of dyskinesia. Based on the results of many studies, especially, or something like Stride PD, which was the post-hoc analysis of, um, I believe it was um, COM10 or Intecapon and uh, Levodopa versus Levodopa alone. And when post-hoc analysis was done, looking at various components of Parkinson's patient who were on different doses, in the study, uh, Stride PD divided the patients into four groups of less than 400 milligram daily dose, 400 milligram daily dose, 400 to 600 milligram daily dose, and more than 600 milligram daily dose. So, you know, 600 milligram will be, if you have 25-100 milligram of levodopa, there'll be two tablets three times a day, while 400 milligram will be one tablet four times a day. And what they found was that the incidence of dyskinesia at 18 months or two years was really low for patients who were in less than 400 milligram of levodopa daily dose. At 400 milligram, there was a bump in the number of patients who developed dyskinesia, and then there was a continuous increase with the dose-dependent increase on the onset of dyskinesia uh, in this uh, cohort. So based on that, what we now recognize is that the higher the levodopa dose that you use on a patient, the sooner or more likely they will develop dyskinesia. So you could, if you use a lower dose of levodopa, then you can delay the onset of dyskinesia by uh, as much as uh, 18 months to two years. It is important to remember that the dyskinesias will eventually happen. Even if you use no levodopa and no treatment for five years and then you start the levodopa five years later, the, within six months, the percentage of patients with dyskinesia will catch up or will be similar to those who were taking levodopa all along those five years. So the point is that it is not necessary or useful to hold back levodopa treatment and, and make the patient suffer the disease so that you don't develop dyskinesia sooner. That, there should not be any point for that because there are so many ways now that we can manage dyskinesia that that should not be the goal. At the same time, if you talk to the patient and explain to them that the less the levodopa that you use, the longer it will take the dyskinesia to start and longer it will take to reach to the higher doses that have side effects, then you could talk to the patient to not unnecessarily chase 100% control. 
getting the 70-80% control of symptoms like tremors is much easier at, at small amount of levodopa and the last 20-30% of control is much harder. So you may not want to go all the way to 100% to control the symptoms uh, and just maybe 80% control is enough or 70% control is enough. And when you explain this to the patient, some of my patients say, well, what if I don't even use levodopa for a one or two year? And I say, that's fine as long as you're not suffering, as, as long as you're not bothered by your disease or, inhib or inhibited uh, in terms of doing your daily activities, that's fine. So that's levodopa. Now with the same idea is likely true for other medication, meaning that the more potent or more higher dose of dopaminergic therapy, the more early or more higher risk of developing dyskinesia. So let's take an example of dopamine agonists like ropinirole or premipexol. Early on, when the trials were done, comparing levodopa versus these dopamine agonists, they showed much lower risk of dyskinesia in the dopamine agonist group, which initially led to the belief that the levodopa has something toxic that causes dyskinesia, which was proven wrong. And now when we look at those trials, what we see is that the dopamine agonist dose use was much lower compared to the levodopa dose being used. There was a conversion formula that most experts believe on. And when we use that conversion formula to compare the equivalent dosing, we found that in those trials, patients were being treated at a much lower levodopa equivalent dose in the dopamine agonist group. So the benefit or less onset of dyskinesia in the dopamine agonist was because you were not using enough. You were using a low dose, just like the stride PD study when you use less than 400 milligram of levodopa daily dose. So any dopamine agonist being used, the lower dose you use, again, you will have the same idea that you can push out the dyskinesia, delay the onset, lower the risk of onset. And if you use higher dose, then you don't delay that, then it happens earlier or higher the risk of dyskinesia at two years uh, or sooner. So that's kind of the general approach to avoid dyskinesias or, or delay dyskinesias for a while. To learn more about the mini fellowship, visit our website for University of Nebraska Medical Center, Department of Neurological Sciences, where you can be part of the community and ask us questions. You can write to me on mdclinicforyou at gmail.com. It's mdclinic number four u at gmail.com. And follow me on YouTube for longer discussions by searching for Danish Bahati, D-A-N-I-S-H space B-H-A-T-T-I. You can also find me on Twitter at Danish Bahati underscore MD and on LinkedIn.